within our nervous system we have these neural networks as you know that really allow us our experience of life we have neural networks there's these communication pathways between our brain cells that give us the experience of faith or give us the experience of compassion or all the wonderful things in life if they're working right but if they're not our neural networks like literally inside our head could be at the root cause for a lot of mental health challenges Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 37. Welcome back to another episode of the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. I'm so excited to share today's episode with you as we are talking about the foundations of brain health, right? Mental health isn't just in your mind, it's also in your brain. It's also biological, it's also neurological. And that's one of the things that we advocate here is having a holistic perspective when it comes to all of the components that make up your mental health and fuel your mood and behavior and thus your thinking. So today I have a really awesome educational, just informational episode in store for you with my guest, Dr. Titus Chu. We're talking about practical ways to improve your mental health by taking care of your brain and mostly through physical practices that you can do right where you are, but also lifestyle changes. We're talking about the impact of food on mental health. We're having another great wholesome conversation about the relationship between nutrition and the brain. We're talking about learning the physical signs and symptoms that there may be something going on with your brain where maybe you're having a nutrient deficiency or there's a gut issue that's impacting your mental health. So we're gonna have a completely holistic conversation. If you've ever wondered how the brain is directly connected to your thoughts, your mood and behavior and what you can do to physically help improve those things, this is the conversation for you. And I suggest you pull out your notepad and a pen or I don't know, maybe that's old school pull out your notes section of your app and really dive into this with us because Dr. Titus gets into the research and the science in a way that you know the everyday person can understand in a very clear way and that's what I appreciate about this conversation. My friend and guest, Dr. Titus Chu, is a number one best-selling author, award-winning international speaker, and functional neurologist that specializes in post-concussion syndrome. He teaches people how to heal their brain and reclaim their lives after concussion through personalized brain training programs, online masterclasses, and immersive wellness retreats. He's the number one best-selling author of Brain Save, and so definitely learn more about him and his unique approach to brain health at brainsave.com. But in the meantime, you'll want to listen to this whole episode and all of the gems that he's dropping right here on the podcast. So without further ado, here is my conversation on brain health with Dr. Titus Chu. Okay, Dr. Titus, it's so great to have you on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. Um, I've actually been wanting to have a conversation with you for some time now as we've been watching each other's work online. How are you doing over there? I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, this conversation. Oh, yeah. I love talking about brain health. I get pretty geeked out about it. How about you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. I remember when I saw that picture of you with your shirts, those brain shirts. I'm like, (laughs) I need one of those. So totally. Well, I'll be sure to get you one. (laughs) Sweet. Thank you. I was going to say, it looks like you eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff. So I'm really stoked to dive more into it. (laughs) Now you can literally sleep in it. I'm going to shoot you that shirt, you guys. So in case you don't know, I have these shirts that say mental health is brain health, and it has a brain on it. Um, And it's in my shop on my website. Feel free to check it out. This is not a plug. I did not mean to even turn it into that. But since (laughs) we're here, (laughs) um, it's my favorite shirt. I had it custom made because I wanted it. 
Um, like I wanted a shirt with like all the parts of the brain labeled and then just have a clear message on there. So I literally had someone like design it and I stuck it on a t-shirt and I was like, you know what? Some other people who are nerds like me might want this too. So that's where that came from. Well, today we're talking about brain health, but before we get there, for those who aren't familiar with you, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what led you to the work that you're doing today? Sure. So my name is Dr. Titus Chu. I'm a number one best-selling author and a functional neurologist that specializes in post-concussion syndrome. And yeah, I have a deep passion for neurology in the brain because I found it was a really great way of understanding what makes us tick. But in particular, over 20 years ago, I was in a really terrible car accident and Thank God I survived, but I ended up with chronic pain and I actually suffered a concussion. Mm. And as a result of that, yeah, I you know, looked within medicine, conventional medicine, to try to find answers, and there weren't that many. So I went outside the box and I studied when I did a whole postdoc in clinical neurology. I studied nutrition. I even went further outside the box exploring Chinese medicine as well as chiropractic, and I'm so glad that I did, yeah, because a lot of the things that I learned through school, I would actually experiment on my own health, and a lot of the things that I struggle with, like the chronic pain and the depression and the really, at times, dark and negative thoughts were as a consequence of my concussion, but I didn't realize that at the time until I started to apply these things that I learned in school that I brought to my patients. And when my health, my mental health improved, it was like this light bulb went off. I was like, oh my goodness, a lot of those quote-unquote mental health symptoms were as a direct result of this physical trauma. So that's why I do what I do because I know there's a lot of people out there either who have had a concussion and are struggling either um, cognitively or physically or at times mentally or emotionally. And I've worked with a lot of patients who actually had issues like insomnia or anxiety, and they actually didn't realize it was as a consequence to like the mild concussion they had. So it's really a, a mission of mine to educate people on ways of improving their brain health and recovering from a concussion naturally. Wow. It's just, I mean, it's just mind blowing to me as we think about how the brain literally can impact your mood, attitude, thoughts, and behaviors. You know, I think that a lot of people don't make that connection. They think it's just all in their head and it's just, oh, just think new thoughts, just think differently. And certainly replacing certain thoughts and going through that therapeutic process of renewing your thought patterns is helpful, but Mm -hmm. If your brain, if there's something physically wrong with your brain that's been damaged, then that is a foundational issue. So um, I love the holistic exactly. journey. Yeah, I love the holistic journey that you've just gone on. And and I wanted to talk about like why is it important for people to make that connection between mental health and brain health, mm-hmm. that it is physical and it is not always just in your head. Exactly. And it's funny you say that in my book, I actually talk about that in terms of, at least in terms of concussion, it actually is all in your head. But specifically, what I mean by that is within our nervous system, we have these neural networks, as you know, that really allow us our experience of life. We have neural networks, there's these communication pathways between our brain cells that give us the experience of faith or give us the experience of compassion or all the wonderful things in life if they're working, right? But if they're not, our neural networks, like literally inside our head could be at the root cause for a lot of mental health challenges. And so, um, as you probably know, one of my philosophies is framework that I've discovered these secrets along the way of healing my own brain and working with thousands of patients is the three pillars of brain health which are the physical brain, the chemical brain, and then the emotional brain. And that's where I find a lot of you know, people who are struggling with mental health challenges or even mental health professionals a lot of times just focus on the emotional brain, like, oh, just think happy thoughts or let's talk about your problems. Right. That's important. You know, I think it's really important 
you know, in and of itself to be seen, to be heard as part of the healing process and, you know, to develop that self-awareness. But what I found is, like I said, with the three pillars, the physical brain, meaning the actual brain cells and the structures that give us these experiences, whether positive or negative, if those aren't addressed, it's really hard to be able to have positive thoughts or be able to even process, you know, deeper types of therapy because it requires specific areas of your brain. If those physical structures aren't strong or they don't have a lot of bandwidth, let's say from a concussion or even from chronic stress, then it's really difficult to be able to do the heavy lifting of therapy, right? right. So I think that's just as important like the emotional aspects, but also the physical brain and doing things to help strengthen and fortify the actual physical structures can go a long way towards helping and healing the emotional aspects. And that was my experience for sure. Yeah, that makes so much sense, you know, and I'm wondering, like, what are some practical ways that people can work on these pillars of brain health. By the way, I love that you've broken down those down into foundational pillars. I feel like that makes it so much simpler to grasp. Yeah. Um, Thanks. And it makes so much sense. Like, yeah, what are some ways that they can, you know, optimize and work on their brain health like, like you have? Sure. So when it comes down to, like I said, the, the pillars, there's the physical brain, and that deals with the actual physical connections. And one way of helping to strengthen that is through brain training, literally training specific regions of the brain. So as an example, I find that a lot of people who struggle with chronic stress or have a hard time dealing with stress or anxiety or maybe insomnia, it's because one area of their physical brain, which we call the brainstem, which sits in between their the brain and the spinal cord, sometimes the brain stem gets stuck in overdrive. And that can happen as a consequence of trauma, whether physical or emotional. It can happen as a consequence of prolonged stress or chronic pain. The brain stem then becomes stuck in overdrive. So a simple thing you can do to start resetting that is actually breathing exercises. Because when you do breathing exercises, it activates this area, this nerve we call the vagus nerve, which is it helps to put the brakes on an overactive stress response. So that's a simple example of one way you can do brain training. And most people think like, oh, breathing exercise is a form of brain right. training. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's because it's interesting in my research and my experiments on my own health. There's a lot of physical exercises. There's a lot of things that we do kind of either intuitively or we've learned about that we don't really understand how they work. But through my whole experience, it's by understanding which areas of the brain, number one, need the support, the physical structures. And then number two, you can then match a specific type of brain training exercise to then bring balance to that area. So as an example, one simple way of helping to restore balance to this area we call the brainstem, which is at the root for a lot of chronic stress or chronic pain, anxiety, mm -hmm. and even insomnia, is by doing simple breathing exercises. Um, very, to be even, to kind of drill down and to get even more specific, there's a type of breathing exercise that I call one-two breathing, meaning where you breathe in for five seconds and then you double your exhalation so it'd be like 10 seconds. So breathing in for five and then breathing out for 10. One, two breathing is really powerful to help balance your brainstem because the, one of the areas of the brainstem, the top part, it becomes stimulated by carbon dioxide. So if we have too much carbon dioxide, like for example, when people hold their breath or they don't breathe with their diaphragm or their belly, that ends up leading to increased levels of carbon dioxide. So when you do one to two breathing, you're blowing out excessive carbon dioxide. In effect, you're then training your brainstem to become better adapted to handle stress. So that's yeah. one example, yeah, like for to the physical brain, because the physical brain responds to brain training. Believe it or not, though, things like meditation or things like prayer they actually activate higher centers of the brain as well mm. you engage neural networks when you're praying or when you're bringing awareness to your breathing like specific regions we call the prefrontal cortex 
or if you pray in a group setting, check this out. There's an area of our physical brain, Brittany, we call the limbic system. I'm sure you're very aware yes. of it, right? It's so crucial when it comes to mental health. It's a physical structure of our brain that like really like kind of sets the tone for our emotional experiences. Mm -hmm. So I find a lot of people who have overactivity of their limbic system, that's part of their physical brain, they can experience things like depression. They can experience things like low motivation or low poor self-esteem. They can be really hard on themselves. So one thing though that the limbic system does, it processes and it thrives on bonding with other human beings. So as an example, one way of working, quote unquote, on your physical brain through brain training, believe it or not, is prayer in a group setting because our limbic system loves connecting with other human beings. Amen. So you can, right, <laughs> yeah, right? Like you can, you can pray on your own and that activates different regions of your brain, right? And don't get me wrong, when I'm saying like it activates regions of your brain, it doesn't like negate the fact that it's actually having this spiritual experience, right? But it's one of the ways in which we can actually like optimize that experience. But for people who struggle with like depression, like any type of group activity, but especially prayer can be very powerful way of soothing and healing the limbic system. As an example, again, of different ways of healing the, the physical brain. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one -on -one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the signup process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. That's just awesome. I'm geeking out right now in my mind. So I'm going to try to stay on track here. But I love everything you're saying about this like somatic processing um, or like what we would call bottom up processing, which is, you know, um, calming the body, calming the nervous system, that vagus nerve to calm the mind in a way. Exactly. And it's just so cool how our, how we have these natural resources within ourselves that we can use to work with our bodies um, 
to just use our intern our own internal resources so to speak i think that's really encouraging to hear um especially when it comes to to prayer and just how holistically just all really does work together um so thank you so much for for sharing that and absolutely you know, I, I did have a question as well, a follow-up question. You talk mm-hmm. a lot about brain fatigue. Mm. And for those who don't know what brain fatigue is, could you share with us what you found about brain fatigue? I feel like I probably have brain fatigue. I don't even know. Like, what? <laughs> sure. I feel yeah. fatigued sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And I think we all experience brain fatigue to some degree or another. It's just when it becomes out of control, that's when problems start to rise. But brain fatigue, you know, it's simply put, it's similar to physical fatigue. It's like when you exercise, if you overdo it, you feel tired, right? But physically. So what brain fatigue is, it's when you challenge your mental processes or your cognitive processes or even emotional processes, when those types of activities then lead to brain fatigue or like uh, cognitive fatigue where you can't you're pretty much like, so as an example, it's like if you pull an all-nighter studying mm-hmm. and then you try to like learn more information the next day, there's no way because you're ready to reach what I call synaptic saturation. And so your brain literally just shuts down. Mm-hmm. Um, and like experiences for, like when I experienced brain fatigue, and I used to experience this a lot more after my concussion, like one one experience I would have is like, I would be in maybe an emotional, emotionally charged conversation that required me to process emotions. I'd be like, you know what? I can't, I can't continue right now. I need to take a break. So that's an example of brain fatigue brought on by like emotional challenges. Whereas you could also have brain fatigue brought on by cognitive challenges where, like I said, you might be trying to learn new information at school or at work and you reach a certain point and you'll know like, especially as an example, um, have you ever, like, been talking to someone and then you just see their eyes glaze over? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They have reached brain fatigue for whatever reason, right? So that's, like, a sign. And I know for myself, I'm pretty in tune with my body. I know when I reach that, it's like I feel my eyes glazing over. That's, like, an example of brain fatigue. So it can be brought on by either cognitive challenges when you're trying to learn new things or even being in a conversation or it could be like more emotional types of you know activities like you're having an emotionally charged conversation it might not even be like a negative one or a stressful one yeah again just like what we spoke about earlier Brittany virtually all of our experiences is because we have functioning nervous systems right and so the healthier our brains are the more we can process and experience life, really. That's that's been my experience because, right. like I said, there's these neural networks that allow us to experience joy and happiness and connection. But then when they're not working well, it can also be the source of a lot of suffering, one of the things being brain fatigue. Right. It really is getting us to understand that feelings that seem so abstract are actually rooted in some type of physicality um, yeah. and directly connected is... What I really love is being driven home here. And I feel a little called out because when you said that, I instantly thought about all nighters studying. (laughs) And, you know, right? Like, especially in academia, it's like, okay, either I'm going to stay up all night and try to push my brain, which is not really processing anything at this point, or I'm going to hang it up early and like get a full night's rest and start over with a fresh brain tomorrow, to which. I've learned it's better to just hang it up and start over the next day. Yeah, exactly. Um, because then you, you allow that integration time. You allow to clear out the synapses. And more importantly, then you allow to reset. So then you can go start the next day afresh, right? And then you have more capacity to learn. And right. so, but the cool thing is outside of, you know, just limiting or taking breaks and resting, this goes back to your other question about what are some things you can do to support like brain health in addition to your physical brain, which requires brain training, like through harnessing neuroplasticity. We also have the chemical brain and there's things we can do to support our chemistry. So our chemical brain, just to give you guys a sense of what I'm talking about, imagine your physical brain is kind of like the roots of a tree, right? You have the structure and then you have the branches that make up a healthy tree, 
right? And imagine your your brain is like a healthy tree, or it should be, right? So in addition to the roots dug deep into the ground, what are the roots, what are they surrounded by? Soil, right? So in order for the tree to be healthy, not only do we need strong, healthy roots, aka a strong physical brain, we also need like uh, optimized neurochemistry, like the soil and the chemical environment that your brain actually exists in. And so I see a lot of people, you know, who experience things like brain fatigue is because parts, maybe the physical brain, some areas of their physical brain that help process information like the temporal lobe or the prefrontal cortex, they might have reached capacity. But another reason is because the chemistry wasn't taken care of. So how can we optimize the chemical brain? One simple way is through nutrients, like food, right? Food as medicine, so to speak. So there's certain types of food that the brain loves that helps the brain work optimally. And there's certain types of foods that harm the brain. So certain types of foods that the brain loves are things like healthy fats and oils. The brain's actually made up of 60% fat, but we don't want to choose the wrong fats like trans fats. We want to choose healthy fats like omega-3 fats and things like coconut oil, which is high in medium chain triglycerides, which is really powerful fuel for the brain. So that's an example of ways of caring for your chemical brain is through nutrition by choosing foods that the brain loves. Mm -hmm. In addition to healthy fats, healthy oils, you can also choose things that help support what we call your mitochondria. When we talk about brain fatigue and brain energy, the mitochondria are like central to that conversation. And for those of you out there listening, mitochondria are the powerhouse of our brain cells. They're the battery packs that allow our brains to function. So one reason why if you resonate with any of that that we spoke about, like brain fatigue, you might have that, is because your mitochondria might be a little unhealthy. Well, the great thing is there's actually foods that have been proven to help support your mitochondria. And so things, uh, foods that are high in like what we call polyphenols, so those are all the foods out there that are really bright in like bright colors. Mm-hmm. So things you can think of like cherries or you can think of things like grapes or broccoli with the green color or uh, turmeric, that root, which gives it that orange color is this polyphenol, what we call curcumin. My point is all these wonderful foods, like what we call the rainbow of foods that are low glycemic, meaning low sugar, those are wonderful to protect your mitochondria from burnout. So those are certain things you can do to take care of your chemical brain and overcome brain fatigue. So outside of just getting more rest, when you give your brain the fuel it needs, you can like study longer, you can last longer, you can think longer, you can think faster, right? Now, again, taking breaks and naps and sleeping is really crucial, but there's also other things you can focus on to optimize brain health. And so that being said, those are things that you can do, you know, foods to choose to take care of your chemical brain. Now, Mm -hmm. certain foods to avoid are foods like high in processing, right? So any foods that have a lot of artificial flavors or colors, sweeteners, those are toxic to the brain, right? You definitely want to avoid those. In addition, there's certain foods that we many people think are healthy for a lot of people actually can cause what we call brain inflammation and be a massive obstacle to not only having energy and good brain energy, but also to mental health obstacles. I know for myself, one of them is what we call gluten, right? Foods that are high in gluten, which is a protein. Everyone's heard about gluten these days, and no, it's not a fad. There's actually scientific research showing that people who are sensitive to gluten, like they actually have a shutdown, decreased blood flow to an area of the physical brain we call the prefrontal cortex, which allows us to be, you know, better people, for lack of a better term. Right? Yeah, reasoning, yeah. some judgment. Reasoning, yeah, <laughs> judgment, discernment, you know, preventing impulsive behaviors, compassion, like all the, again, the wonderful things in life. Well, people who are sensitive to gluten, and a lot of people are, research has shown that the areas of the that specific area we call the prefrontal cortex, it shuts down blood flow to that area. And I know that personally, one of the biggest changes I made in my diet for my 
not only my brain health and like like to avoid brain fatigue, but for my mental health to avoid things mm-hmm. like irritability and sometimes in my darkest hours paranoia like after my concussion I went through a lot but one of the things that turned it around for me and I did a lot of different things I personalized it you know I experimented but it was getting rid of gluten because for me it triggered massive inflammation in my chemical brain which then short-circuited my prefrontal cortex leading to all these quote-unquote mental health challenges but I tell you what there's no therapist that can talk me out of brain inflammation, right? Again, I mean, right. There's a physicality so, to it. Yeah. Right. Again, I don't want. I'm. I'm not saying that that's not needed. It's of all course. we need a holistic approach. Yeah. Again, therapy is very. That was a big part of my healing process as well. Finding a therapist that I can talk to help me work through things. But I tell you what, when my brain was inflamed from gluten and other types of toxic compounds. There was no way that the therapy would have been as beneficial, right? So right. once I cleared house in my chemical brain, when I strengthened my physical brain, then when I did therapy, it really, it then it started to take hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, you guys, I hope if you're not taking notes, you gotta re-listen, right, and take notes because this is awesome. You're literally answering questions before I get to ask them, so I'm just preaching over here to the choir like because we've been in the theme right now of um food's impact on mental health we just had dr uma naidu come on and it's so cool because you guys are confirming each other Mm -hmm. and all of this information is confirming one another um Mm -hmm. so it's 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 clear right it's clear that there is some uh there's just some evidentiary um resources out there that have shown research that has shown that you know, there is a chemical connection between the food that you yeah. eat and the information it's giving your brain and how your brain is functioning based off of what you eat. And exactly. uh, I think that is life-changing because it's something that you can actually take control of. I think exactly. that's what's so empowering about this conversation uh, because sometimes the mental health conversation can seem very depressing, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. managing it or will this be my whole life and this and that. And it's kind of like just like with any other health issue, if you manage some of those lifestyle habits, whether mm-hmm. it's sleep or nutrition or, you know, just movement, moving your body, all of that, you can improve the quality of your mental health and thus the quality of your life. Exactly. And that's so empowering to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really, again, it's like everything you're talking about, I know with your experiences and my personal experiences, it's possible, and it's not this abstract idea. It's not this like right. woo woo philosophy. It's rooted it's in this real. concept. Yeah, it's we we call neuroplasticity the ability of the brain to change its shape, structure, and then function. Meaning your experience of the world within you and around you, based on your experiences. So it's all about being intentional with choosing those experiences, right? So what are the experiences that we can choose? There's experiences in terms, like I said, in terms of the the three pillars of brain health. There's physical exercise that you can choose to restructure your brain to live a life of, you know, joy and happiness, right? And then there's, yeah. there's like foods and nutrients and there's even more advanced lab testing that we can explore what's happening in the chemical brain to identify more individual needs right you know like i talked about the different types of healthy foods and foods that we we want to avoid and then with the emotional brain it's about choosing at that point you know when when you have that bandwidth choosing the thoughts that are empowering for you right choosing the the prayers that give you hope and strength in times of despair right it's so we have that ability, like you said, to take control of it. And through that process, we then change how our brains become. And again, it's not like this woo-woo thing. It's rooted in science. And it's the foundation for every single thing we've learned in our life from being able to walk, being able to talk. But now we can apply this concept in shifting our thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's such an amazing, you know, just like you said, there's so much hope. You know, regardless of what a person's struggling with or dealing with, I totally get it, you know. When it comes to the brain or neurology, especially when it comes to mental health, 
many times it seems so subjective, but the thing is there are physical reasons why a person experiences their depression or experiences their anxiety, and there's a lot that can be done about it. Yeah, it's a very optimistic conversation to me. I know it's not a cure, but it's something that where you're swimming downstream instead of upstream and against the current, so to speak, um, when it comes to your mental health. And so I, I really appreciate you laying all of that out. And I'm wondering, what are some of the steps someone can take if they want to like get their brain checked out to see if it's any of these issues. I know that you kind of went through a lot of experimentation with yourself, which it kind of is that, you know, seeing what works for you, kind of no Mm -hmm. matter who you are, no matter what it is, you do just, it's the nature of it, is that you kind of have to try different Mm -hmm. things to see what works for you. Um, But if someone is like, you know, I might be having, you know, a chemical deficiency or my mm-hmm. soil might be bad or um, yeah. like what are what are the maybe some beginning steps they can take to um, see assess if or work on and address any of these physical issues yeah that's a great question and before I get to that I want to um, you know speak to a certain point you made At the end of the day, it is about experimentation and finding out what works for you. Yeah. But I've been experimenting on my health for over 20 years after, I mean, I was in this car accident 20 years ago. I've been working with patients for over 13 years. So even though it all requires experimentation and personalization, there are patterns and there are secrets, right? I've discovered things along the way. Again, it's not like this woo-woo thing where, I just get a, a hit intuitively. It's like, oh, you got to do this. I've been doing it long enough that I do get those intuitive hits, but it was through like training, yeah. understanding the science behind it, understanding the neurology, but going beyond that, understanding what we call systems biology, how everything's connected, how gut health can impact our mood and our brain health, right? Yeah. So although it does require experimentation, there are patterns and principles and secrets that I've uncovered along the way. So I'm able to fast track that for a lot of people. But that being said, yeah, so there's, let me kind of, I'll share with you some simple things that you can, you know, get a sense for, like for people out there outside. I mean, the number one thing is if you tried some of these foundational things and you're still struggling, then I would encourage you to find a practitioner who understands this stuff, who understands the physical brain, who understands how to do a neurological assessment to figure out what's happening in your prefrontal cortex. Did you know that there are physical tests that you can do that give you a window into how your prefrontal cortex is working, as well as other areas of your nervous system, including your brainstem? So number one, I would find someone who understands that. And then when it comes to the chemical brain, there's specific lab tests. My motto is test and not guess. Because, you know, when we're talking about experimentation, Brittany, yeah, you know, it's like when we talk about experimentation, we can try just shooting in the dark and hoping it sticks. That's what I had to do over the course of 20 years. But along the way, I learned all these tools. Like there are, for example, blood tests you can check for brain inflammation. There are stool tests that you can explore what we call the microbiome, meaning there's a strong correlation between our gut health and the good, the bad bacteria, all the guys inside our digestive system, and our mental health, right? There's actually stool tests you can run that measure good levels of good bacteria, what we call the probiotics. There's also measure stool tests you can run to measure to see if you have a gut infection. For me, one of the biggest breakthroughs I had, honestly, in my mental health is when I healed my gut. Like I I ran a stool test on myself. I found out I had a gut infection. And then I put myself on this gut healing protocol using natural substances. After I did that, like that was kind of like the next quantum leap after I'd done a lot of foundational stuff. So my point is there's a lot of like objective tests that people can run out there, you know, to explore, is there something going on with my brain chemistry, you know? And so in a di- so that's what I mean. Number one, if you've been trying the foundational things like with diet, with um, prayer, with lifestyle habits, 
and you're feeling better, but if you've hit a plateau, then there are more advanced approaches to explore that can be very much personalized to you and that can fast track that experimentation. I've worked with so many, I can't tell you how many patients I work with before working with me, they kind of try to piecemeal everything together themselves. Right. <laughs> they, they listen to podcasts, they read blogs, they buy books. And that's awesome because, you know, gathering information, what I call the discovery phase is really important. But then from there, like to avoid years of trial and error, I do recommend people reach out to practitioners who understand this stuff to help fast track that. But that being said, here's some things, as an example, we've been talking about gut health um, and about inflammation. There are physical clues as well that you might have a chemical issue impacting your mental health. Here's an example. So one very common sign of a food sensitivity is small little bumps on the back of your arm. So for those of you out there who like the, the triceps muscle, right? So if you go and just feel the back of your arm, feel and you like right now feel with your hand, if you feel any little bumps, that's a very common sign that you have number one, either a food sensitivity, like we talked about, a very common one is gluten, or number two, an essential fatty acid deficiency, which we talked about was really important for brain health, right? Healthy fats. So that's a, like a simple clue. Then you might want to explore changing your diet. You might want to explore taking, you know, some type of supplements even to help support brain health, right? So that's an example, right? So one physical yeah. clue to then be like, oh, maybe some of my anxiety or maybe some of my depression is maybe it's part of what I went through in my past, but maybe some of it is being perpetuated by what's happening in my chemical brain. Make sense? So, totally, yeah. Yeah, so that's one clue. And there's like, when I work with patients, there's literally hundreds of clues on the body in the neurological exam and lab tests that can then help, you know, further personalize that experimentation process. You know, but from there, you know, that's one simple thing that I find a lot of people do. Do have um, another one very common, especially since we're talking about the gut-brain connection, like gut health. Mm -hmm. A very common clue is: Do you experience bloating? Do you experience excessive gas? Do you, do your stools float? Do you have constipation and/or diarrhea? Or a you know? So those are clues that this is kind of my diagnostic process when I work with patients. I look at the big picture, right? I don't just like if someone has anxiety, they, they come to work with me. I don't just focus on their anxiety. I look at what's happening in their physical brain, their chemical brain. Mm -hmm. But I find a very common root cause for mental health challenges is actually digestive imbalances. Right. So if you have like a digestive symptom like constipation or – and what I mean by that, like like what's quote-unquote normal is to go at least once a day number two. Like that's normal. And then you guys could look online if you're not familiar, what's known as the Bristol stool chart. You can actually see uh, they actually put together like a little diagram of healthy stool. Like okay. What, what, yeah, healthy and unhealthy, right? For those of you out there, like, you know, we're a little squeamish with this. <laughs> the thing is the stool, your poop, is such a powerful window into the state not only of – your digestive health, but your brain health, your mental health, and all the other systems of your body, including your immune system. Right? So we need to get that on a shirt. Your stool exactly. is a powerful window <laughs> yeah. to well, your health. The whole line. You got you got the mental health with the brain. <laughs> right. Exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Next, that's my next shirt. shirt. I'll have the stool on the shirt. All <laughs> of it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's it's like it's such a powerful way. I know, like. TMI, but I'm going to share it with you guys. Like one of the ways <laughs> I check in with my overall health is I look at my stool, right? Is it floating? That's not a good thing. If it's floating, it means you're not absorbing the necessary fats your brain needs. If it's really stinky, it means that you're not digesting proteins appropriately, which are the building blocks for neurotransmitters, which impact your mood, right? So there's a lot of clues, even within, you know, 
your own bodily functions. Brittany, you asked for it. <laughs> I'm giving it to you. <laughs> yeah. So these are certain things that you know our audience can start yeah. to really empower them. It's like at least to develop that awareness. Do I have food sensitivities? Just feel the back of your arm, right? Or do I need more healthy fats? So as an example, if you feel the back of your arm and you have bumps, and then you actually take me up on the poop challenge and you look at your poop the next week, uh -huh. if your poop is floating and you have bumps on the back of your arms, guess what? You probably have essential fatty acid deficiency, which is one of the major nutrients your brain needs yeah. to thrive. Right. So those are different things, like I said, um, ways of empowering yourself by developing awareness of your body. And then from there, you can then like narrow that experimentation. Right. So rather than experimenting and figuring something out on your own over the course of five, 10 years, when you start getting these clues, you can then personalize and then fine tune like what your at home brain care rituals would be. Poop challenge, seven day poop challenge. <laughs> I actually do. Your poop. We're keeping it yeah. real here. We're gonna keep it real. Seven day poop challenge. <laughs> I actually, this is yeah. This, ladies and gentlemen, we're this is the start of something new. <laughs> you are bearing witness. <laughs> so if you guys see hashtag poop challenge circulating, yep. just know we where started. it started. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> No, this is great. And what I love about it, one, I love how you're putting the tools and information in people's own hands so they can learn to be intuitive with their own bodies. You know, I think that can be just one of the biggest hurdles. It's just learning how to be in tune and intuitive with your own body that is giving you the signs and giving you the messages and leaning in to learn what they mean or try to understand what they mean. Um, and so, and there's also something about the autonomy of it that I think is really empowering even as you're taking these steps whether you're going okay I'm gonna change this one thing in my diet like reduce gluten or I'm gonna add more omega-3s like avocado or salmon fatty fish yeah, or see how it goes exactly. or sprinkle some more turmeric on my I actually take these turmeric and black pepper shots like nice. every morning yeah that's um, a good combo. oh yeah oh yeah so I feel like even just learning it, having the tools and starting something in that direction can even just give you the autonomy and self-empowerment and exactly. up, up your mood a little bit, just knowing that you're starting to take some sense of control over control, your mental exactly. health. Even just taking the steps in and of themselves, I think can be a mood booster. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so powerful. You know, it's like these quick wins and, and that's the thing. Like I'm, a doctor, right? And I work with patients, but even with the patients, and I'm also a teacher, like I just love, that's my deepest passion, yeah. really. We can't tell. We can't tell at all. <laughs> but I just love that because when you think about what doctor means, it means teacher. So even with patients yeah. that I work with, like with these really personalized programs that I create for them, at the end of the day, it's not about becoming more reliant on me. It's about this like this self-discovery process. So by the time yeah. that we're done working, they have this plan and they have knowledge and self-awareness of like what are the things that work for them and don't that they take with for the rest of their lives, right? Because that's the thing. I think one of the biggest kind of trappings of conventional medicine is that it's many cases, it's disempowering. It's kind of like, okay, you go to this expert and then you take this medication. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's needed, but what about the education empowerment exactly. along the way, right? So then eventually you don't even have to rely on an expert. I'm not saying don't go to doctors and get checkups. Yeah. But the whole point is like once you become empowered with knowing what your brain and body needs, yeah. and then be, you have that for the rest of your life. So not only can it help you get out of like a rut in terms of your mental health or your yeah. physical health or your brain health, you then have that information to take control of your health for the rest of your life, right? To then prevent things from happening. And then when you do get, you know, go to your doctor, it's more just about checking in and wellness checks as opposed to then having to rely on anything, right? Any, you mm -hmm. know, I, I think it's important for doctors to continue to serve that role, not just to be like, this authority figure and telling right. the person what to do, but 
teach the person how to fish, right? Teach right. them how to take care of their brain health for like not even, again, like we can talk about prevention and wellness, but also things that a person could do to get out of the place exactly. that they find themselves in. To empower so, them. Yeah, I'm very passionate about that. That's one of my, again, one of my missions is to teach people how to fish for their brain, right? Right. And how, to, how to do the things that really move the needle. And like I talked about earlier, what we're talking about, it takes experimentation, but then at the end of the day, the point of experimentation is to then personalize what, you know, know what works for a person. And I found that for some people, one, like, for example, I told you about healing my gut was a massive game changer for you, for me and my mental health. But I've also worked with patients. They're like, oh, I tried that. Didn't do anything. It's because it wasn't right for them. Right. Exactly. That's why, like, again, that clue that I shared with you guys, if your stool's floating or if you have constipation or diarrhea, that is a clue that if you start putting energy into healing your gut, that can be a go that could go a long way towards improving not only your gut health, but also your mm-hmm. mental health. Totally. And you guys definitely continue to check out the other conversations we've had on the podcast around this because I feel like everyone's just inputting such helpful information on this conversation. And I love, uh, I just love what you're saying about how doctor means teacher. I think that's so humbling. And this is probably more of a conversation for the medical community. But um, I even just was sitting down with a friend of mine who is a neurosurgeon over at UCLA. And he was just talking about how sometimes doctors can underestimate how much the patient can understand and Mm -hmm. will not go through the teaching or explaining because they underestimate the fact that this person can understand what they're saying about their condition or what to do. So not Mm -hmm. underestimating people's capability of assuming the knowledge for their own health. Um, Exactly. And I, and I love that so much. So think this has been such a wealth of information. I know y'all want to listen to this again. Some of y'all will want to listen to this conversation (laughs) all over again. How can those who are listening continue to follow your work, uh, grab your book and all of the cool stuff that you're doing around brain health? Yeah, sure. So if you enjoyed what I spoke about, I have a blog, brainsave.com. So just go to my website, brainsave.com. I have a blog that I'm constantly updating with new and fresh information about healthy brain tips as well as mental health. In addition, I did, like you said, I have that number one best-selling book, Brain Save, and you can find that on Amazon. And yeah, I do work with patients both in office and virtually. So if you're interested, feel free to reach out again to just go to brainsave.com and you can learn more. Oh, great. That's so helpful. I feel like we everyone just got a free lecture without having to pay tuition. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and thanks, guys, for listening. Until next time.